Hi, everyone. This is Laurel Simmons, and welcome to another episode of the Right Club podcast. I'm joined today with, as my co-host, Catherine Nelson-Riley. And Catherine, we have a great guest today, Drew Toth. He's pretty amazing, isn't he? He's absolutely. I've had the opportunity to have several conversations with him. He's been on our national event a few times. He's also been at some of our live events presenting. The amount of development in his foresight is really awesome and interesting, man. And especially how he's gotten to where he is and the thought process into where he's going and what he's doing. Yeah. And that's what part one of this interview is all about. It's how he got started and how he grew his portfolio from nothing to 96 completed projects. It was a total value of over $100 million in 14 years. So great advice in this part. It's really worth listening to more than once. And when you're finished, just make a note to yourself that you've got to listen to part two. Because in part two, which will be coming out soon, he's talking about how he uses his financial and social responsibility lenses to analyze whether a real estate in project is worth going ahead with and developing. Really fascinating stuff. So, Catherine, shall we go to part one of our interview with Drew Doss? Absolutely. Let's welcome him in. Welcome to the Right Club Podcast, where the focus is on helping you, the real estate investor, advance to the next level. And now let's join this week's hosts and share ways for you to customize your life. Hi, Drew. Welcome to another Right Club podcast. It's great to see you here and listen to you, talk to you. I know you've been on some of our national events and lunch and learns, but we thought it was time to just talk to you on a podcast so other people can hear what you're up to and all the things that are going on. So welcome to our podcast. Thanks, Laurel. It's great to be here with you guys and, uh, you know, kick it around a little bit with some shop talk, talk about real estate, what's going on, and a little bit about what's happening in in my neck of the woods and what we're up to these days. You know, always appreciate the invite and, uh, you know, know you guys are busy and got lots of good stuff to offer people. So I appreciate the the invite. Okay, well, let's get started then. So, Drew, let's go the real basic stuff. Give us your background in real estate investing. Oh, good question. Okay, so I started in real estate investing. It was based on an idea of, hey, you know what? I had three daughters. I was working in a homeless shelter at the time. I was making $38,000 a year. And I was saying, hey, you know what? I don't want my daughters launched differently you know, than someone that was making you know more income a year. And so I started asking around talking to different folks and getting some suggestions. And I had a lot of different suggestions. You know, one person actually suggested to do a fundraiser and I thought, oh, that's a little awkward. I think there's, you know, not that my daughters aren't great causes, but I'm like, ah, I don't really like that. And one guy said, hey, Drew, like, you know, you're young, you're handy, you can swing a hammer. Your dad has some trades background. Why don't you flip a house? Why don't you buy and renovate a house? So I thought this idea, we ended up finding a beat up duplex on St. George Street in St. Catharines. And the seller was motivated. If you can imagine, the guy had his son's ex-wife and brother-in-law living in the place behind on rent. And it had been going on for a while. So anyways, we purchased it from him. We renovated it and we rented it out. And we ended up holding on to it. And we thought, hey, this isn't bad. 
And that's really where things started for me. It started with an idea of an alternative form of savings for education. We got a next one for my next daughter and my next daughter. And then it was, hey, this isn't bad. And my parents saw, hey, there was a way to make some money. So they threw a little bit of cash in. And then in the background, we started attending these seminars. It was Rich Dad Poor Dad at the time, and then the the Rain Group and all sorts of different clubs. And we started learning as much as we possibly could about real estate. And we thought, hey, you know what? There is something here that not only we find fun, but something that can give us a really good side hustle and a financial opportunity. And so as time went on, you know, I was in the homeless shelter for seven years. And in the background, I was working on the front line of addictions and mental health. Truly, I was burnt out. And I had this opportunity of real estate that I was doing as a side hustle. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to give this a full go. So I got my realtor's license and we started, you know, seeking out investors and we found investors and we started putting joint ventures together. We started doing RSP mortgages and multiple different mortgages using hard money notes. We really came from a place of not having capital to deploy in these projects, but we had a skill that we had started developing. And so our first real strategy that we did was flips and buy, renovate, refinance, hold. And then over time, it sort of grew and we started doing apartment buildings with the BRRRR strategy. So we're doing 15 units, 12 units, five units. And from there, um, the real estate market started shifting and the flips started becoming harder and harder to find. And the burrs were becoming harder and harder to find at the time. And just a little context, all that I'm talking about, I'm from the Niagara region. I live in Thorold now. I previously lived in St. Catharines. So I'm speaking, you know, obviously from an Ontario perspective, but also very specifically from a Niagara region marketplace. So about 2016, probably many of you guys know the market started just jumping here in the Niagara region. And so the opportunities changed and we decided, hey, what if we could potentially start adding accessory dwelling units to units? So we started duplexing single houses and selling them to other investors. We started triplexing duplexes and selling them to investors or, you know, renovating them out and holding them. And then we started to get into land development. So we started with a very small severance. There was a property off of Facer Street and it had a single family home and it had a big double garage on the side of it. And so we thought, hey, look, the lot to fit the house is like the same where the garage is. And we had no real idea what we were doing. We found a planner and sort of fumbled our way through it. And we cut out a, a lot and we thought, whoa, this is pretty cool. And that was our first experience in development. And we started to find those opportunities and grow more and more into infill. And over time that grew. And then we did a 10, uh, a 10 unit new construction build. We built three townhouses and put ADUs in them. I ended up going to school and getting my Terry on certificate. So I did all the education for that. And then we did the financial qualification. So we started doing new construction. We started selling houses to investors. We started doing land development with construction on it and a real mix. And I'll just sort of fast forward because we, you know, we could talk for a long time, but you know, today we find ourselves at the place 
where we have multiple land holdings throughout Niagara region. Sometimes we take the land, we get approvals and we'll sell it to other builders. Other times we take the land and we get approvals and we'll oversee the servicing. So putting in infrastructure, sewer, water, storm drains, hydro, we break it up and sell it into pieces to other builders or we'll build some of it. And the other thing that we've started to do in our portfolio is we've started to build purpose-built rental buildings. And so we're 70% complete of our first 129-unit building. And we have the second building coming out of the ground. It's 84 units. We're just coming out of the parking garage. And these we've structured with GPLP structures with investors. And that sort of, I guess, brings you up to speed with background and where we are today. There's obviously lots of things that have happened along the way, but that's really where we find ourselves today. So I'm listening to you and going, oh my goodness, (laughs) like that's a lot of stuff you've done, a lot of stuff. So I have a two-part question here. Yes. When did you start? All right. So that was what year? 2020? And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. Today's podcast is brought to you by LegalSecondSuites.com. Ken Beckendam is an amazing real estate investor. He understands the process of the conversion inside and out. And he has built one of the largest by volume design build firms in the GTA that specializes in legal multifamily conversions, anywhere from two to 15 units. And he's been involved in either the designer or the contractor in well over 250 conversion projects, which resulted in over 600 legal dwelling units. That is a lot of legal dwelling units. And Ken and his team at Legal Second Suites, they cover everywhere from Halton, Niagara, Haldeman, Norfolk, Brant, Hamilton, London, Tri-Cities, Barrie, York, and anything in between. He's one of the few firms that can complete the entire process for you from design to construction to property management. So it's truly a one-stop shop. So reach out to Ken at LegalSecondSuites.com. Again, it is LegalSecondSuites.com. And now back to the show. Oh, good question. So we're about 14 years in. So 2023, 3, 2009, 2010, somewhere around there. You got it. Yep. Okay. All right. So, all right. So just after the sort of the crash of 2008, like that, that the downturn. You you got it post, post the crash. Yeah, you got it. Okay. So that's number one. So the second part of the question is, again, I'm listening to this. I'm going, wow. If I was just coming into learning about real estate investing, I would be overwhelmed by what you've done because that's a lot of stuff. And if I can take you back to when you first started, like the very first thing, like what was the most, what was the hardest thing for you to get your head in the game? Because you know what? It's a great thing to say, yes, I know I had a 38,000 and I've got three daughters and I'm, you know, I've got, I'm working in mental health and addiction services and homeless shelter and I'm getting burnt out. So that means there's not a lot left. I know there's not enough, a lot left at this point. So how did you do it? How did you get, how did you jump that gap? Because it's, And you could even say, yes, I went to the training and the this and the that, but just still at the end of the day, have to do it, right? Yes. Okay. So let me respond to you. So a couple things I'm going to say, and if I take myself back there, 
and I remember that time in my life very specifically, that there was obviously frustration and tiredness, like I mentioned. And there was sometimes, you know, when you have that, I think it's helpful to look at something new and to have hope and have opportunity in it. So I saw real estate as a change and something fresh. So it sort of gave me a new area to focus my mind. And I saw a new hope and a different opportunity. It wasn't that I loved doing what I did because I love doing what I did and I'm still connected there, but it was time for change. You know, sometimes in your life, you know, there's closings of doors or there's things that seem like they're frustrating, but I really believe that it's pushing and moving, you know, to a new opportunity. So A, there was hope and a vision and something fresh to really sink my teeth into. Second, you got to do the work. Like we worked our butts off. And I want to be very clear about that, whether it was learning or it was swinging a hammer. Like when we were brand new at this, we were working our butts off, whether it like physical work on the site, doing that stuff. And then on the weekends or the time around it, we were learning as much as we possibly could. So the first real estate company that we made, it was actually called Leap Properties. And I had a a partner and LEAP stood for learn everything about properties. Because like you said, it's so overwhelming, right? Do you do a burr? Do you do development? Do you do flips? Do you do that? And, you know, if I was going back to that original place, I would really encourage people to make a commitment. There is a massive opportunity. Work your butt off. And the other key thing is... Like, you just got to go out there and do it. You got to take the action. You know, I'm a guy who never graduated high school and I went right into the financial industry. I started working at American Income Life and I got these exams and then I ended up going back and taking courses. But I am a very huge advocate for self-learning because there's only so much you can learn in a book. But when you go out there and do it, the you know, learning curve is so much higher and better. And I'm not saying, you know, take big risks and just leap out there into the water. I'm saying, work your plan, learn as much as you can, take small risks in your first steps, but then go for it, knowing and expecting there's going to be things that come up that you didn't plan for and that you're going to have to figure it out and you're going to learn. And I can tell you, you know, the more deals that we do still today, the as we're pressing and growing, and we are, like we are aggressively growing our portfolio, like literally over the last week, I am learning new things about real estate and I'm faced with new challenges that I've got to figure out and I've got to work together with a great team and I got to push through. You know, and whether it's your first deal or you're like 150th, you know, that same concept that we approach real estate with on day one is the same thing that we do today. But obviously our, you know, today our skin is thicker. We've gained a whole bunch of experience. The deals are bigger. The chips are greater, you know, but the concept and that mindset are exactly the same. So as I hear you talk and I heard you say the word we a number of times. 
And I thought, okay. And I think this yeah, is me, probably... myself, and Irene, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> People may not get the reference, but yes, exactly. Uh, Sorry, yeah, that's that's it. <laughs> who is we? Because it's very difficult to do it alone. Like I don't yes. know, but if it can, who can do it alone? Do you? This week's lightning round is brought to you by Butler Mortgages, Canada's number one mortgage brokerage three years in a row. If you need a great mortgage broker to help you with investing in real estate or to help you purchase your next home, reach out to Daniel Patton and Michael Zanzini from Butler Mortgages. You can do that by calling 905-569-8326 or toll free at one 888 and check out their website, butlermortgages.com or by email daniel.patton at butlermortgages.com or michael.zanzini at butlermortgages.com. And let's go to the lightning round. No. So thank you for bringing that up. And I do say we, because there is a, a strong group behind me today and beside me. So first I'm going to rewind because that's where you asked me to start. I did not talk about some of the essential things. I hinted about, you know, a couple of my buddies swinging a hammer. I hinted about my dad with some technical skills, right? Some of those seeds were there. I talked about going to the different groups, creating a network of individuals around you that have the skill set that have gone before you is so important. I had many mentorships. We had mentorships that we paid for. I remember I paid 10000 for a weekend with this, this one gentleman that had huge experience. We went to free events. We read books. The other thing was I had, I've had many great mentors in many facets of my life, where the, whether that was health, spirituality, real estate, mindset. Having mentors is so important. And I want to make mention of one, one special mentor for me. There's a gentleman by the name of Glenn, and he actually was significant in helping me understand development strategies. He is significantly older than me and has about probably about 45 years now in development. And so he really aligned with me and I picked his brain and we worked together so much on understanding some of these larger development things. So mentor is one thing, reading, significant folks around you. We also built a network of realtors, a network of planners, engineers, a network of appraisers, et cetera, et cetera. I can't, you know, I can't emphasize the point of building valued relationships enough. In fact, you know, my, my company's name today is called Elevate Living and it says, Valued relationships, better developments. Better developments doesn't mean we're better than everyone. It just means we're evolving and constantly becoming better. And valued relationships is literally the crux or the foundation of our business. How we do business with our investors, how we do business with our internal team, how we do business with local cities, all of those relationships are so important. And so from the day we started, to where we are today and where we're headed, how we value relationships, you know, with how we interact is so essential. Today, I have a fantastic team. Number one, my wife, who actually works in the business with me, Deanna, and she has been through 
all of this stuff with me, me and her dealt with, you know, property management issues and calls in the middle of the night and leaky toilets and, you know, police knocking down a door of, you know, one of our rental places, et cetera, et cetera. You know, she is such a strong, smart partner. And then I also have Jeanette, who's my office manager. I have Dylan, who's our financial controller, and I have Spencer Brown, who is our director of development. So this is a small in-house team that we have. And then we also work with many consultants and contractors. And that's how our team is structured now, you know, but building that network that we have today has taken over a decade, you know, but it's taken one good valued relationship at a time to build it brick by brick. So don't compromise on that at all. Don't compromise on values of character, of honesty, of making mutually beneficial deals. That is so important. Oh, and I really like that because one of the things that I know that is really important to me, it's it's, it's incredibly important to me, is that when you make a deal with someone, and I don't care what kind of deal it is, it really doesn't matter. If you want everyone to walk away at the end of the deal and and coming no, we'll walk away from the initial discussion to feel good about it, then it is critically important that you don't be greedy and you don't try to take as much as you possibly can. So, I mean, I've kind of made that a statement, but I'm sure you agree with that because you wouldn't be as successful as you are if you didn't have that philosophy because people don't like being just ground into the literally ground into the ground, right? I couldn't agree with you more. It's interesting because when we're dealing with real estate, there's a lot of money involved in any deal that you do, even a small, you know, I shouldn't say small, even in a, say a single deal starting out, it's a lot of money. And so, you know, you know, this, I have interacted with many people in real estate interactions And there's a lot of folks that do exactly what you say. They just see the immediate deal and they try to grab and squeeze for as much as they possibly can. And I got it. I'm smiling because I'm in different negotiations all the time. And I've even had people tell me like, this is good for you when really it's not good for me at all. You know, it's really much better for the other individual. And so what I'm trying to say is that what we did as a philosophy and I believe it was paramount to our success and will continue to be was we said every major decision we're going to make when we're interacting in business is we're going to always think, what is the long term? Every decision you make, every interaction you make is the long term. And I can tell you the real estate community is a very small circle in Ontario. You may think, you know, millions of people. It is a very small circle and your reputation and how you do business will bring more deals or it will lose more deals. And the ability to make a mutually beneficial deal, you know, and actually be true about that has opened up so many doors and led to more business. You know, again, whether it's negotiating a deal with an individual seller or buyer whether it's negotiating a contract with a servicing provider or a GC, you know, it needs to be mutually beneficial. And when you constantly do that over time, you build a reputation and people want to do business with you. 
you know, and sometimes you can't, sometimes you got to walk away from the deal as well. I just want to say that sometimes a deal can't be had, but if you at least bring it to the place where you know it's mutually beneficial, you know, then most times, you know, the deal gets done. Yeah. Well, you were talking about integrity, about honoring that. And you're right. If the deal, you know, you do everything you can and it doesn't work, then you walk away from it. Or you just, this because there's always going to be something else, right? That Yes. Especially when you're starting out, I think that new investors fall into the trap of emotion. And it's like, I got to do this. Or, you know, th- this is, oh, this is a beautiful house. And, oh, I can see myself living there. And it's, whoa, whoa wait a minute. <laughs> No, perhaps if it's a beautiful house that you can see yourself living there, maybe that's the house you should buy and live in yourself. But you, right? Like when you're starting out, how do you learn those things? How do you, because you talked about negotiating, because those are critical skills for everyone. And of course, the bigger you get, the more negotiating you have to do. Even when you're starting out, you have to negotiate. So how do you negotiate? What would you tell someone about negotiating, like how to learn negotiation skills? Yeah, good question. So I would say one of the things that you need to do first before you go into a negotiation is get a clear understanding of the business case for yourself. So what do I mean by that? I mean, you know, the numbers are the numbers. And so when you're going into a negotiation, you need to know what is your walk away place, you know, and you need to remember, and I fell into this at first too, you know, you talked about being a beginning investor and getting emotional, like you get into it and like you want to win and there's something about winning it, but you could win a deal and then ultimately lose in the end because you fought too hard to get something that didn't economically work. And so what I am trying to say is that before you go into negotiations, you really need to do your due diligence on understanding the business case for whatever strategy you are doing to make sure you know, hey, this is my walk away number. If I get this, it's good. If I get this, it's good. But this is the place where I need to walk away and it's okay because the next deal is around the corner. And I can tell you, I used to get frustrated when I'd lose a deal, but what I've learned in my time is that, man, there's tons of deals and the next one is right around the corner. And it's, I've taken on deals, you know, that I hindsight would have said, man, I could have passed because I, you know, around the corner was a better deal. So be sure, especially when you're starting, say no more than you say yes, and be really sure about what your walk away in your business case is before you go into that negotiation. All right. How do people reach you, Drew? The best place to reach me is by email. And that is Drew, D-R-E-W at Toth, T-O-T-H group.ca. Our website is elevateliving.ca and tothgroup.ca as well. That's the best place to reach out. Okay, there you have it. So thank you so very much. I mean, great ideas, wonderful conversation. Thank you. Hey, wonderful talking to you ladies as always. And I appreciate the invite. Okay, bye for now. Hey, Catherine. Wow.
he's got so much great, so many great stories, so much great advice. And wow, what did you think? I thought it was really excellent. What I really liked is when somebody tells you I've gone from zero in 14 years, I've gone from zero to 96 projects completed to over $100 million. It seems a little bit overwhelming. But when he breaks it down and step by step, then it's, the light bulbs go off and it's understandable. But what I really like, and I'm also continuing to be fascinated by his story. And listen, if you're fascinated by what you heard in part one, be sure to listen to part two that's coming out shortly. This is where he continues the discussion with he, how he and his team use financial and social responsibility lenses to develop vibrant communities where people want to live. And it's just, it's fascinating how he continues this conversation. So, hey, and be sure to give us some pod love on your favorite streaming app so we can help other people just like you who want to learn more about real estate investing. All right, that's great. And that's all for today, folks. Don't forget, tune into part two of our interview with Drew Toss. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to the Right Club Podcast, where the focus is on helping all levels of real estate investors advance to the next level and help you customize your life. Be sure to tune in next week at rightclub.com slash podcast or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you get a few seconds, please rate the podcast wherever you're listening. It helps the show get noticed by others like you, and we truly appreciate it. And don't forget to subscribe.